0: We all want to live with hope. Having hope is an essential part of the human experience. But one of the most difficult things about hope, possibly the most difficult thing about hope, is that the realization of hope doesn't always happen on our timetable. Maybe that's why it's called hope. We just don't get to realize exactly what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. But the reality about hope is that we are believing and hoping for, we are longing for something that is beyond an actual actualization that we currently experience. And as Christian people, we know that Christian hope is the acknowledgement that things happen on the Lord's timeline and not just our own. It's a difficult reality, but it is one we have been experiencing for all of our lives and really almost all of the lives of God's people. Nevertheless, we hang on to hope and we consider hope as we read these passages this morning. First, we'll read from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4, and then 8 through 11. And then we'll read from John 1, verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. Hear now this reading of God's word. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim proclaim liberty to the captives, and to release the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them Their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offsprings among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people who the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. And now from the Gospel of John. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The testimony, John. The testimony given by John, when the Jews sent the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, "Who are you?" He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed. I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, Well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. They said, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John says, I am the voice of of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent away from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing, if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answers, I baptize with water. Among you stands one who you do not know, the one who is coming after me. And I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. And this took place in Bethany, across the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That passage from Isaiah 61 is a prophetic passage intended to bring hope to the people. God is going to bring goodness to those who very much need it. And it's a passage you should recognize for two reasons, even if it's like on the tip of your tongue and you can't quite place it. The first reason is we read this passage quite often during Advent. It's a passage about the promise of the coming of Jesus. It's a prophecy from Isaiah that we believe is at least in part fulfilled because Several hundred years after Jesus, or after Isaiah proclaimed it, Jesus was born. So you should recognize this passage from Advent. But the second reason you should recognize this passage is from the Gospels. Because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes out into the wilderness and is tempted. And then after he's, that is finished, the next story we receive is Jesus going to the synagogue. And he grabs the scroll and he reads from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and sent me to bring good news to the oppressed and to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and to release the prisoners. And when Jesus is done reading this passage, he does not say, the word of the Lord thanks be to God, he does not say, may add, ra- add his richest blessing to the reading of his holy word. He says, none of the sort. He says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in my reading it. He causes a stir because he declares that the one who is coming to do all of these things, to bring all of this hope, is him. And so Jesus starts this three-year-long ministry of bringing hope to people, of providing healing and grace and, and, and love and, and, and giving them, meeting their needs and feeding them and, and doing all of the, all the things, as the kids say. But the thing is, it didn't solve everything Yet. The, the promise of Isaiah is fulfilled. But the actualization of it all isn't quite there yet. Because some 2,000 years later, here we are, still needing good news to come to the oppressed. Still needing the, bind, the brokenhearted to be cared for. Still needing liberty to be proclaimed to captives. Still needing all of these things that Isaiah promised to come in all kinds of ways. Throughout all of the Lord's world. And so what we see is, is Jesus is a, a foretaste of glory divine in a way. And what we see is that we're forced to live with hope. And, and, and wait for things that will happen. But maybe don't happen on our timeline. And that is hope. But that is also hard. If ever there were a year when everybody had to experience hope not happening on our timeline, it was this year. Every Advent I look back at notes from years past, and I can I can assure you that none of my notes from years past were notes about, well, you know, when you have that year when everybody wears masks and is socially distanced and you're live streaming to Most of your church. This is what you should do. We didn't have contingency for this year. But we all have hope. That next year will be different than this one. And I've said it a couple times this week. To others. If next year looks like this. For some reason. We will adjust. And we will be okay. But if next year looks like this year does, I don't want to know it right now. I need to live with a different kind of hope. Don't you? I need to believe that there's something around the corner that's going to make things better. And even if I don't get all the way better, there were... We all need and and will experience glimpses of that hope along the way. Isaiah believed that the coming of the Messiah would mean the Lord would make all things well and in a very real way that is true. The prophecies have come into being in ways that they did not exist when Isaiah wrote them. But along with that, Realization of the prophecies was a call from Jesus. That his people would bring the good news to the poor. His people would be the ones who bind up the brokenhearted. His people would continue his ministry to proclaim the release of the captives and liberation and the Lord's favor. That his people would help share how much the Lord loves justice and his people would From now on out. Would be ones who proclaim the good news to all nations. And what we know. Is that this project. This prophecy. This work of God has been 2000 years in the making. And it continues even still today. It's the work of the Lord. To call on us. To help bring about that hope. And to help recognize that hope in little ways and large ways whenever we see it. We read again the story of John the Baptist, and one of the quirks of the lectionary for Advent this year is that we read John the Baptist two weeks in a row. The thing about John, though, is people were starting to see the prophetic hope coming into life through John. And so they, they were asking. Some were asking with genuine hearts. Some, it seems, the Pharisees were asking with skeptical motives. But who are you? What, what are you about? What's going on with this ministry that you're doing? And he says, look, I'm, I'm just a messenger. I'm bringing a little bit of hope. But the one who's bringing the real hope is on his way. He's here among you. You don't even realize it yet. But hope is here And I don't know everything, but I know, I know the one who's bringing the ultimate hope. And so I'm the voice calling in the wilderness telling you he's on his way. The Messiah will be here. And it was important then, and it's important now, that even if we don't get the ultimate hope, at least we get a glimpse of it along the way. For some reason, a silly example of this popped in my head this week. And I don't know why this example popped in my head. Except that maybe I haven't seen very many people, so I got to come up with all of my own examples now. But thinking about hope, I, I went back to a bike ride I took a couple of summers ago. It was August. It was Saturday morning and it was it was a warm day. And I went out with the usual suspects that I ride with regularly. My family calls them my bike buddies. And usually when I was riding with them, I had no idea where we were going to go. I just knew I was going to follow somebody's wheel for a few hours. We headed east out Eden Road. We got to Range Road and we kept riding. And we rode a long way around Range Road. All the way around and through, I think, parts of Camp Butner We headed home on Roberts Chapel Road and I remember feeling really good on Range Road and I remember thinking that I don't know if these are the tallest hills in Granville County on Roberts Chapel Road, but on that warm August morning, I can assure you that they were. That as we rode our our pack strung out further and further from one another. Our pace slowed. and we kept going, and we came turned back onto Enon Road and rode a little bit more. And when we reached Williams Store on Enon Road, it wasn't our ultimate destination. But boy, was it a moment of hope? Because on that day, having been on the bike for a few hours, with almost empty water bottles, Even though eight miles for a group of six cyclists isn't all that much. We needed a glimpse of hope to get us to that ultimate hope, which is the parking lot behind Ace Hardware when we ride together. We needed that moment of understanding and of encouragement and of realization that this isn't everywhere I need to go But it's a stop along the way, and it's a stop that reminds me, that affirms to me, that promises to me that we will, we will get there. Sometimes we don't get the full promise of hope, but it's a glimpse that's enough. When we take communion, we don't get the full feast of our Lord, but we get a taste, which is sometimes just enough. And on this third Sunday of Advent, we don't get the full lighting of the Christ candle, but we get the rose candle, the Godhead candle, which brings us a measure of joy, which kindles our hope. And maybe that's just enough. My favorite story about how the pink candle came to be is, I think, the legend that most of us have adopted. I'm sure somewhere out there, there's a legend about the reason that the Advent wreath has a pink candle is because, well, we always had a pink candle. And if you ask enough grandmas, you go back far enough. One year, grandma ran out of purple candles and blue candles. And so she stuck a pink one in there and it lived on. But the real legend to me is that that we were in such a a penitential season, in in a season of waiting and and in, in what was... So much in its, its, its original inception, so much more of a somber waiting season. The people couldn't resist. They knew that Jesus was coming in just, just a couple of weeks. So give us a glimpse of that hope. Let us see that hope. Let us see that promise. For, for just a second, we can pretend Or we can remember that even though we pretend Christ isn't here, he is. And so the rose candle comes into being. As a symbol of that hope, as a celebration of the joy that even though Christ is here and we're pretending he's not, he will come again. And so in that vein, Even though we don't celebrate with the fullness of joy and the greatest of all hopes, I wonder, where are you finding hope? So much of life has stopped, yet your spiritual life continues. Are you experiencing hope? You're still engaging with others. Are you embodying hope and joy As others might need it. And in what ways. Small and and large. During this season. Even this strange season. Are we cultivating and carrying. The promise of the ultimate hope. That Isaiah proclaims. A hope that has come in part. That will come in full. And a hope that we believe with all our heart is the Lord's doing and is our part to help participate in. Isaiah's prophecy is not just a promise, but it is a call to action for all of us. We can bring good news. We can care for the brokenhearted. We can cultivate hope on behalf of the Lord for those who need it. It's not just John and Jesus who are the ones who proclaim that hope. We are called to embody and to emulate this as well. And so I pray that just as Isaiah, Isaiah called people on to this on their way. So too might we, generations after Jesus walked this earth, embody the living hope that Jesus promised. So that hope might arrive in small ways for anyone who needs it, for everyone who needs it, on our way to the hope that, to the way that hope will most fully be fulfilled. This morning, as we close, I pray that we will see the ways, small and big, that the Lord is cultivating hope within us. And this morning, I pray that we will have the faith to follow the Lord in the ways that he's calling us, To cultivate hope for others. May we have wisdom and strength. And courage. For the cultivation of hope and joy. As we're called to do. Today and for each day that lies ahead. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God. We give thanks for this day. Lord as we read the prophets. We confess we'd love to see their promises made full. And yet we know that it is only through your full work and our full realization of your love that we will see that happen. And so, Lord, in, until that happens, help us to experience glimpses of your hope. Help us to experience ways in which your hope might be fulfilled in small ways now so that we might be prepared for the big ways your hope comes in the days to come. Help us to experience joy on this day and the promise of your hope now and forevermore. Amen.